Hello and welcome to the River and Panhandle's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this week's message. Before we get started, there are a few things that we would love for you to do. Share it, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So the message is about to begin. We hope that you are encouraged and that you always remember, no role is insignificant. Every life matters and go out and make a difference. are not alone. You are not alone. I watched as people were entering this morning and um, same during the nine o'clock hour, some people coming in alone and my mind was just filled with the thought, you are not alone. Some of you have come in here even as couples. Maybe you've even brought your children, so you have a crew. Maybe your whole crew is complete chaos and crazy and obnoxious, right? And there's noise and there's loudness. You've come, and you still feel alone. It's real for all of us, right? Let, let me encourage you with a thought here this morning. Solitude and loneliness are not the same thing. Being alone is not an unpardonable crime, right? There are times when we choose to be alone. We seek solitude. Anybody need that drive home just to get away from the people in your life? You know what I'm talking about. Any of you need to step out of the house, go get a, a cup of coffee or a Coke at Sonic? Anybody need to just go over to the cemetery and hang out by themselves? Super weird, right? I found this beautiful sort of solace over at the cemetery, the Panhandle Cemetery. And I can go over there and sit in the back of that area. And I've got to know, I think his name is Martin or Mark. I can't tell his accent. He's a sweet guy. I, right? Anyway, he works over there. And he came over there one, one morning. I was just hanging over, out over there and literally just reading my Bible in my Jeep. And he goes, can I help you? <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm just, it's quiet here. And he goes, okay, cool. You know, and so there's, I mean, there's a beautiful, I mean, it's weird, I know, but there's a beautiful solitude in just getting alone sometimes away from the crazy. Am I right? You are not alone. Seeking solitude is a great idea. Being lonely is a terrible idea. And we want to talk about what God's word says about that in our lives, how we get away from the loneliness. Let me start here though. Let me tell you about an awesome way that you do not have to be alone. You don't do life alone any longer. Here at the river, we want to be all about a couple of things. We've been talking about this now for several months. Ashley and I, if you're new with us, Ashley and I just moved here in January. This is our family. We love the river. We feel safe and accepted here. You also are safe and accepted here. And we want you to find family. We want you to find connection with other people. Here's a great way to do that. Next Sunday, We're hosting what we're calling Jump In the River. Super clever, right? I came up with that. So Jump In, actually, Ashley did. Yeah, that was her idea, right? So I didn't mean to lie about that, but I did. She, this, that was her idea. 
jump in the river is this. We want you to come and be a part of a short sort of a, a meet and greet informational kind of thing. We're going to feed you. It's free. We're going to have some child care after the service. It's free. We want to tell you what, about what makes the river tick, about what makes us go, what is important to us. Safety, acceptance are among them. Also connection, community with other believers, being loved and prayed for, supported. That's what it means to be a member of a church. It's not an exclusive club, right? This is not exclusive. This is for all of us. We belong to the big C church of Jesus Christ. We think, we believe the river is an awesome, excellent, safe place to do that, where you will be loved, you will be encouraged, you will be prayed for, and you will find connection with others. So we want to invite you to come jump in the river with us next Sunday. Here's what I need you to do, though. I need you to go register so that we'll have enough food and we'll have childcare. And all. can you do that for me? Make sure I'm going to send you some emails or texts this week just to remind you, jump in the river with us next Sunday. Make sure you register. Cool? Is that easy? Is that fair? Reasonable? I hope so. Why? Because you are not meant to be alone. God wants to surround you with people that care about you, love you, where you can worship God in spirit and truth and the people around you support that, love you and stand beside you and when necessary, crawl in the foxhole with you. Because we all have hurts and pains and needs and we all need somebody to crawl in with us from time to time. Let's talk about more of what that means spiritually, theologically for us. We're going to be in Colossians 1 this morning. And as we dive into Colossians 1, I just want to pray over us as hearers that God would change our hearts. God, we need you. We love you. God, what an incredible, immeasurable privilege to be called your son, to be called your daughter. Jesus, I pray that as we dive into Colossians 1, that you will remind us that we have been reconciled by the flesh, the blood of Jesus, so that our hearts would be one with God's, with yours forever. Thank you. We need you. Speak to us now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Colossians 1. Let's do verses 21 through 23. If you're a guest with us, I just want to let you know we are preaching through all of Colossians this year. And so we're in Colossians 1 right now. We, uh, we've been through a couple of weeks of Colossians 1. We're going to be in verse 21 through 23 today. Then um, we'll kind of wrap up the journey through Colossians 1 next week. Then Mother's Day, we start an awesome new series called Legacy, where we're going to talk about the character of Christ and how each of us and the roles that we play in our lives We live out the character of Jesus. So we'll start Mother's Day in Father's Day. Legacy. It's going to be awesome. You with me? It's going to be awesome. I can see it on your face. You are so geeked about it. Let's go. Colossians 1, 21. And you, you, this is powerful. You, this is not just an ethereal, out there, sort of universal, generic statement. You 
who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. That's an awesome way to start a sermon, right? You were alienated, you're hostile, you're doing evil deeds. Sinner. Mm. Mm. All of us, every single one of us have been here. What does it mean to be alienated? It literally, I mean, and figuratively means to be separated from God. And all of us who were born into sin, we were all born alienated from God. Our sin separated us from God. What happens when we're alienated? When we're alienated from God, every single one of us, every human being has experienced this place, this idea of being alone and separated, the uncertain, unknown, unfixed, undeclared, unsaved condition of our hearts. It separates us from God. Every one of us have lived in this place, and it's it's a place of terror. Being separated from God, whether a person knows it or not, it is something to be feared. It is something of a horror in the human life, in the human existence. But we once were alienated, meaning before Christ came into our lives, that's the condition of our hearts. But after Christ, we get made right and whole with God. And so Jesus Christ fills this gap. We're here, God is here. Unknowable, unsearchable, immutable. Up here, Where we cannot be, Isaiah 55 says, our ways are not his ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. And we're here living in our loneliness, our isolation. Jesus steps into this gap and by his flesh and by his blood pours all of the forgiveness and the redemption and the reconciliation and freedom and joy and peace with God out for us. And it closes that gap. Once we were alienated, separated from God, but because of Jesus, we can be one with God. That is the best news of the day. Jesus Christ cancels the alienation. Alienation simply means a loneliness, to be isolated from God. And while every one of us has felt that loneliness and Maybe it's, maybe it's more practical than spiritual for you. Maybe the condition of your life, whether it's relationship status or geography status, your family's here, your family chooses not to be with you, or you have experienced some kind of brokenness and hurt and separation from the people that you love, and you feel loneliness. Loneliness is evil at work. Now hear me right. I'm not saying you're evil by being lonely. Loneliness is a condition of the human heart that is evil at work. God never intended, God never made you to be lonely, to feel lonely. Seek solitude? Yes. To be alone from time to time? Yes. Why is that healthy? Because when we are alone, when we are in need, we discover that Jesus Christ is enough for us. And I've shared this before, the Alcoholics Anonymous, their, their mantra, right, that, that God will never give you more than you can handle. 
It's a good positive statement, but it's a lie. Of course God will give you more than you can handle. Why? Because it's in the more than you can handle that you realize that you can't handle it and that Jesus is enough, right? That's the truth and the power of salvation where God closes the gap to the person of Jesus. You couldn't have done it on your own. That's grace. That is the grace of God at work. If loneliness is evil at work, grace is perfect, holy goodness at work in our lives. (laughs) That's a gift. God does that for us. We all fear loneliness on some level. Every one of us fear being alone on some level. It's the reality of our lives. It's not what God intended for you. God intended for you to be surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, people who love you and care for you. And even when you're unlovely, they stand up and they stand in and they crawl in with you when you need us the most because you need Jesus the most. And he has reconciled me by his grace in order that I can stand in with you when you are in need and you can stand in with me when I am in need. That's the way God rigged the system that we do this together. Loneliness is evil at work. But here's the thing. We can hate evil. We can can despise evil. We can fear evil. We can talk about evil as though it is evil and it is not good and it is not right. But in the everyday moments of our lives, you and me both, not only do we not fear evil, Many times, many days, many moments, we enjoy it. That's the condition of the human heart. We can separate ourselves, pull away from others, and we can hide in our sin, and nobody knows what's really going on with me. And even though I don't enjoy being alone or lonely, I enjoy people not knowing what is true and real about me. I enjoy that. I enjoy the sin in my life. I'm not proud or not happy. I'm not right in saying that. But every single one of us deal with that. If I hide in my sin, nobody knows what's really going on on the inside. We live in that. Some of us Enjoy it, live and hide. That's not what God intended for us. So where does the goodness start? St. Augustine of Hippo, great theologian, said, the confession of evil works is the first beginning of good works. When we confess this loneliness and the desire for evil and the desire for the lusts of our heart. We desire the things that are not of God. When we enjoy being alienated from God because we don't have to deal with the stuff in our lives, it's not good. It's the opposite of good. Loneliness, isolation, being apart from others, is not a good idea, and it's certainly not a God idea. But, 1 John 1.9 says, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just 
to forgive you and cleanse you from the unrighteousness. Just tell him. Watch this. You don't even have to ask God for forgiveness. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? God, will you forgive me for what I've done? You don't have to. Scripture says, if you confess, he has already forgiven you. He will cleanse you from the unrighteousness. He will forgive you. God's got this massive bucket of forgiveness that he's got with your name on it. He says, just confess your sin and I will pour that out on you. And then you will be set free. And then you will enjoy being around others because we share the story that we all were once alienated and now we live together because of the righteousness of God. We are made right with God. We share that. This is powerful good news for us. This is great news for us. This is what God wants for us. The more deeply in the spiritual life you live, the more you connect with God and seek Him Enjoy his word. The more you fill your heart with godly things, the more you're able to discern what is of God and what is not of God. It's when we pull away from God, we allow ourselves to remain alienated from him. That's when we get confused by what is of God and what is not of God. And that's a horrible place to be. It's a terrible place to be when we can't discern the heart and the voice of God from the thing in our head that tells us to make this choice or that choice. That's not the way God intended for us to live. God wants us to live in this place where we discern what is of him and what is not of him. How does that happen? By simply loving and walking with him, by worshiping him, by staying connected with his word and with others who are struggling just like you. This is the way God intended for us to live. And so I would, I would drop this in the middle of our story. But God while we are alienated, while we're over here trying to deal with the stuff in our lives, separated from God, but God, who knows all your pain, all your fear, all your doubts, all your worries, who knows the condition and the circumstances of your life, who knows the decisions that others have made that have impacted you and your joy, other people in your life that have made choices for themselves that are causing you such deep anxiety and grief. But God, who, being so rich in mercy, uh, Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, I'll throw it on the screen. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved you. Who, even when you were dead in your trespasses, your sin, He made you alive. He gave you new life. He set you free. He changed you together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. But God, in the middle of your chaos, but God, in the middle of your pain, But God, in the middle of your hurt, 
But God, in the middle of your loss. But God, in the middle of your busyness. But God, in the middle of your depression. But God, in the middle of your anxiety. But God, in the middle of your child's life who has made decisions that are breaking your heart. But God, being rich in mercy, made you alive together with Christ. He is the one that holds it all together. He is the one that keeps us from falling apart. He's the one that sets us free when we cannot on our own. He is the one who has stepped into your loneliness and said, you are not alone. You are not alone. If nobody else will go there with you, Jesus said, I will. Jesus journeyed to the deepest places of loneliness in order that you wouldn't have to. Jesus went to the darkest places and said, you do not have to. You don't have to do this alone. You have been made one with God by Jesus. No longer alienated, no longer hostile, no longer doing evil. This is great news for us. Look at verse 22, Colossians 1, 22. While we were doing evil and doing evil deeds and hostile, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order, why did he do what he did? In order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before God. Jesus Christ did all of that so that you and I could be made holy. Now watch this. Let's talk about holiness for a second. Holiness is clearly a choice. It's something we choose for our lives. Holiness is, while it is a gift from God to ever be made one with him, holiness is a choice. How do I know that? Because holiness is a command. Holiness, not only is it a command, holiness is an imperative command. Jesus Christ, because he paid the penalty of death for our alienation, our sin, God said, because Jesus did that, you must walk in the steps of Jesus. You must pursue my heart. Now, I just mentioned a while ago, when we are spiritually in tune with God, we're able to discern what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong. Jesus gave us that discernment so that we could then pursue and choose the heart of God. He called us to holiness. I did this so that you would be righteous and holy and perfect in my name. It's not conduct we're talking about. It's a heart issue. He wants your heart to be holy. That's why in 1 Peter, he says, just as he who called you is holy, so you must be holy in all you do. Be holy as I am holy. That's an imperative command. 1 Peter 1, 15, 16. 
He calls us to holy, holiness because that's where he wants us to live. Let me share another quote with you. It is imperative. It is a command. It is seemingly unattainable at times. But look at this. All that is good is ours, not by right. We didn't earn it, but by the sheer bounty of a gracious God. Do yourself a favor and pick up a Brennan Manning book. Ragamuffin Gospel is one of my favorites. This is an incredible story, a narrative about how we find God in the mess of our lives. (laughs) Every one of us are messy. Can I get a witness on that? Whether you want people to know it or not, every single one of us are messy. Our lives are messy. It's not by right but by the sheer graciousness of God that we can ever experience the wholeness, the goodness, the completeness of God. Holiness is taught in the scriptures, right? So we're looking at Colossians 1. It's taught in the scriptures, but watch this. It is not based on knowledge. Holiness is not taught. Holiness is caught. We catch holiness when we begin to understand and see who God is, his goodness, his kindness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When we see that alive in the person of Jesus and others, we then catch that spirit. He wants us to be holy. We find that in the indwelling of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit in our lives. Have you ever been around someone who just loves Jesus so much? It's just infectious. And sometimes it feels a little weird, uncomfortable, right? But it's just infectious. Linda Jewett. Am I right? My sister in Christ. And it makes me uncomfortable. In a good way. Because I know that she's running after Jesus with so much of her heart. And I I can't do that like Linda does it. The way she loves everyone unconditionally. She doesn't just hang around the cool kids. She wants to be around all of them. And I don't know where you put yourself on this org chart of coolness and weirdness. Uh, you know, whatever, you're probably wrong, but I don't know where you put yourself. But to be loved unconditionally by a person like that is an express, clear, beautiful, unbelievable, unimaginable expression of the heart of God. Psh, give me that all day, every day. And so when he talks about us being reconciled for holiness, to make us above reproach, he made us right with himself so that we could experience all of his fullness. Not just be good people. You with me? It's not about just being a good person, but it's about being God's person. That's what it means to be holy. He goes on to talk about living above 
reproach. Let's, let's talk about this for a second. Because this is where so many of us get into trouble. Holiness isn't an issue for all of us, or maybe even many of us, because holiness is so far down the road that we just think we'll never get there. But let's start here in the mess of your lives right here today. And let's talk for a second about living above reproach. It simply boils down to this. Your personal integrity tells a story. Have you ever been caught in a lie? Even a little bitty one? Yeah, you have. Some of you are lying right now, right? You, some of us have been caught in big lies. Some of us have been caught in little bitty lies that we think aren't causing much harm. They're still lies. And every single one of them put Jesus on the cross. And so integrity is this idea that if everything were stripped away and your life got exposed before people, what would they really see going on in you? Would it be a devotion to Jesus and thanksgiving for the grace? Or would it be you living in such a way that you're doing your best to cover up the things that you don't want anybody else to know about you? Integrity is the outward affection, the outward act, the outward expression, the outward life being consistent with inner conviction. So what are you really convicted about? Like, What's really going on in your heart and your mind? What you are most convicted about is what comes out when you get squeezed. Right? Let me, let me say it this way. There are choices and decisions and parts of your life that are not necessarily bad. They're not evil. There's not something particularly wrong about it or about you. But you make choices every day that tell the story, this is something I think I can do for me or for others or with my life. It's something I can do or I am at such a desperate place in my relationship with Jesus that I want him to be free to make all the decisions in my life for me, meaning what I desire is what he desires. Meaning when God said through David in Psalm 37, devote yourself to God. Focus your life on God. If you will find yourself in tune with the heart of God, you will receive the desires of your heart. But it doesn't mean if you're walking with God, you get what you want. What it means is if you are in a touch with the heart of God, you're walking with God, you experience his grace and forgiveness, you love him, you pursue him, your desires become his desires. And then you're incapable of making choices that break the heart of God because your desires are now what he desires for you. That's the way God rigged the system. That's why we are saved by grace, not of our own works because we can't do enough, amen? You can't be good enough. The desires and the decisions of your life 
can't just be good ideas or good thoughts or good ways. They have to be God's ways, God's thoughts, God's desires. If you ever want to walk in holiness with him, Jesus never struggled with this. Never once. Even in his anger and his heartbreak, and even questioning, God, is this really what you want from me? Jesus never strayed from the heart of God. This is the imperative command on your and my life. To be holy as he is holy. Why? Because we have been reconciled. The statement, the bank statement, nobody does bank statements anymore. Well, maybe Spencer. Nobody does bank statements anymore, right? Because your bank sends it to you digitally every day, right? You log into your Happy State Bank app. Is there one? I don't know. We're Wells Fargo people. You log into your banking app and it's all right there for you. But here's what happens. Some of us live financially checking our balance every day, thinking, do I have money to do this? And it's a wrong way to live, financially or spiritually. We have to know not only what is going in, what has gone in, but what has come out and what we don't even know has yet come out. There's stuff hidden in our hearts that has not been charged against our account and we're not prepared for that. And so we live as though we're positive with God. Are you with me? Is this making sense? But Jesus reconciled us with God. He made all the deposits ever needed into the account of your life so that you would be right with God. No matter what you spend, you are still right with God. It still doesn't mean that we can spend whatever we want. It doesn't mean we can do whatever we want. It doesn't mean we can live however we want. Because there's a judgment for that also. But being reconciled with God means when I stand before God, Jesus Christ is going to step into the gap for my life and say, he is mine. I know he did some nasty stuff. I know his life was a mess. I know he wanted to give up. I know the things he said about her. But he has been made right with you by my blood. That's what it means to be reconciled. And when we are reconciled, then and only then can we live a life that is holy and we can live a life that is above reproach. Meaning nobody can look at your life and judge you because that's Jesus's job. That's what it means to be above reproach. I'm not perfect, but I'm living my life in such a way that Jesus Christ has made me right with God. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 says it this way. All of this, all of the goodness, all the reconciliation, holiness, above reproach, all of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Watch this. And you put on your seatbelt for a second. Reconciliation while it is a free gift from Jesus to us 
for God's sake and for ours, doesn't stop at us becoming right with God. Now, because we have been reconciled from our sin, now we owe it to every other person in our lives, even the ones who have done the most wrong to us, even the ones who have made us feel the most guilty. They've made us feel the lowest. They robbed us of our joy. They've said things, they've done things, they've made decisions that hurt us, broke us. We, because we have been made right with God, now we have no other option than to live in a ministry of reconciliation, which means we want them to be right with God. And that's bigger than them being right with us. We owe them that. I don't care what they've done to you. You owe them reconciliation because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Why? Because you were once alienated, living a hostile life, doing evil. You didn't deserve any of this, but Jesus Christ did it for me. And I owe people the same kind of grace because Jesus is watching and his desire is that they may be, they may be made right with God that we might be right with God. So no matter how much you talk about, here's the integrity thing again, no matter how much we talk about being right with God and His grace and His forgiveness, how much He loves us and I want to do the right things and I want to honor Him and I want to live for Him, you cannot do that without being reconciled with others. You can be physically pure all day long and not be spiritually pure. But you cannot be spiritually pure without being physically pure. Right? Every mom and dad of a teenager right now is going, amen, yes, save yourself for, right? It's more than that. You cannot be spiritually pure without being physically pure. Our hearts should break, not just for our children and for their physical purity and for their hearts, but for the other people in our lives who have done us wrong. Our hearts should be broken for them. And seek forgiveness and offer forgiveness. Help reconcile them to God by reconciling ourselves to them. This is where Jesus gets incredible, supreme satisfaction by our lives when we're willing to lay down our own life and let other people receive the same kind of grace that we received. <laughs> it's quiet in here, and I know because you're going, oh, shoot. <laughs> Every one of us, we owe it. We owe it to the world we live in. We owe it to the others in our lives. They need it from us. God's standard is expressed in Scripture about this. And, and the perfect example is in the person of Jesus Christ who, who did this. When we, 
live by truth, when we live by Jesus's truth, we then possess integrity. We live above reproach. We then can have a ministry of reconciliation. Here's living above reproach. Let me just make one quick statement about that. You can live by Scripture. You can live according to God's Word. You can love it like David did, Psalm 119. But Bible verses were never, ever, ever intended to be thrown like grenades at people. All of Scripture, the whole of God's Word, was all and always intended to be a voice of hope, an act of reconciliation, a gift of grace. Why? Because Old Testament, New Testament, every bit of it is about redemption. It's about making us right with God. This is how we use and explore and understand and enjoy and treat God's Word. We point them to grace because it's bigger than us. They need God's forgiveness. Just like you need God's forgiveness every single day. Let's go on to Colossians 1 verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, you keep going, you love God, you're pursuing God. If you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. If indeed you stay in the faith, you stay steady, you stay steadfast, you stay true, you stay noble, you stay honorable, you unite with all of the rest of creation that has been charged with the whole steady, stable, unique, eternal worship of Almighty God. The rest of creation gets it because they don't make decisions about their souls for themselves. You with me? We make decisions every day that impact our soul. We make decisions every day that impact our lives. We choose holiness or we don't choose holiness. We walk in righteousness or we don't walk in righteousness. There's no middle ground. You don't get all the benefit and all the beauty of God by simply going to church. This is awesome. And this is beautiful. But God wants so much more for your life. He wants our our hearts, our souls to be made right. Here's the deal. We focus on all the things that we think matter in our lives. Being a good person, knowledge, theology. We focus on our, our, our personal mental well-being. We focus on all those things and we lose sight of our souls. We forget daily that Jesus Christ did a work in us, gave us this grace, made us ministers of reconciliation, not just for all these important parts of our lives, but that our hearts and our souls would be right with Him. We just lose sight of that. We forget about that daily, 
in our daily living. A walk with Jesus is not a formula. I wish I could say to you, if you do X, Y, and Z, you will be right with God. But the reality is, there's a whole other A through V or W or whatever it is that we have to deal with, right? We have to deal with all that other stuff. You can't just do this, this, and this and be right with God. All of it is what He wants. Jesus wants your whole life, every bit of it. It's not a formula. It's not a test. You are not on trial for how much you live God today. Your life is either a reflection of Jesus or it is not a reflection of Jesus. You don't get to do part of it and then hope he is satisfied by that. Jesus wants all. He wants all or it's nothing. You with me? That's a, that's a hard truth, a hard reality that we deal with. Spirituality is not about perfection. It's about connection. It's about us being connected with the heart of God. Spirituality is not about your competency. It's about intimacy. And I know that's a weird word for most of the men in the room because intimacy is not a thing we're totally comfortable with. But you finding yourself alone with God, seeking solitude so that you can shut everything else out, men and women, we shut everything else out so that all we can hear is the voice in the heart of God. That's what it means to not be alienated. And what happens, watch this, what happens is when we do that, we stop shutting people out, even if they don't deserve it. And we bring them in. We show them grace. That's what your life ought to look like. That is what the river must look like. If we're ever going to go where God wants us to go, if as a body of Christ, we're ever going to accomplish what Jesus wants for us, it's that we stop excluding others because of their sin and because of their wrong choices. And we say, no matter what, you are a part of this body and I am yours and you are with me and I'm going to crawl in and stand by you and I'm going to fight for you the rest of your life. We all need it. Every single one of us need it. That's what it means to be reconciled. If you have been reconciled by Jesus. If you have been reconciled by Jesus, then take that reconciliation into the world where you live every day. Be that voice of hope. Be a voice of truth. Boldness is not something you're born with. Boldness is a choice. I'm going to choose to make a choice that may not benefit me, but it's going to benefit the heart of God. That's boldness. That's courage. That's courage. Paul even said in Romans 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. Because he wanted everyone to know that Jesus Christ 
made them right, but first he knew that Jesus had made him right with God. This is what reconciliation looks like. This is what it means to be reconciled before God. Even though we're not perfect, we do our part. Or, like Luke 19 says, the rocks will cry out. Creation will do your worshiping for you. And I ain't letting that happen. If I look at the past of my life, it is filled with mistakes and terrible choices. The past of my life is not one of holiness and godliness and purity. As long as I can remember, I have loved God or wanted to love God. As long as I can remember having godly parents, grandparents that taught me the ways of truth and Jesus, they took me to church. I mean, I was totally active there every, almost every Sunday the doors were open, always there. I've loved God. I've loved Jesus and wanted to know more about him. But every single year in the history of my life, I can look back at marked mistakes and failures. And it was never based on my successes before God. All of my life is measured by the grace of Jesus in me. I can stand before you today and preach God's word or speak God's love and and be a pastor to or for you or around or near you. It's not because I'm special. It's because I've been set free by the grace of Jesus Christ. It's because no matter what terrible choices I've made in the past, I can stand before you today convicted that Jesus Christ did all the good in me necessary to do any good here today. That's who he is. The worship team's going to come back up. I want, I want to close with this statement for you in your life. You have choices and decisions. You've, you've lived a life that sometimes is good or righteous or nice or excellent. And then you have parts of your life that you look back and you go, Okay, that's something I just need to hide away. Nobody really needs to know about that. Not only is it freeing for you to be transparent and available, James 5.16 says if you confess your sin to one another, you will be healed. You don't have to have a bunch of people in your life and that you tell about your deep, dark, ugly parts. But you need to have someone in your life that you can be real with. You need to have someone in your life that you can sit down over lunch or in the parking lot or at the park or whatever, and you can just say, I just need you to know this about me. Not because I need you to know this about me, but because I want to be set free of that past. And that person steps in and prays for you and says, no matter what, I'm not going to leave you. That's what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. We owe that to each other. Amen? We need that from each other. 
But not only do we need it for ourselves, we need to make ourselves intentionally available to other people so that we can be that for them. Hey, Brandon, I want you to know if you ever need me, I'm going to be right here. I'm not going to leave you. You're safe with me. No matter what you say to me, it is safe here. I'm going to fight for you in prayer and scripture. And I'm going to love you unconditionally. We need that from each other. That's what it means to be reconciled. Can we do that? Can we be that? Can we pursue that? I hope God has spoken into your heart this morning. Two things I want you to hear clearly. We're going to have some prayer warriors, people in these four corners, our prayer team. They want to pray with you. Maybe today you say, I want to take a step closer to Jesus. I want to understand that reconciliation first in my heart with God. I'll deal with other people later. But today, God, I need to know, Jesus, I want to know that my life has been made right with yours. The second thing is, you may come and say, I've got some hurt and pain stuff in my life that I'm dealing with. Maybe it is in broken relationships. Maybe it's in uh, sickness or illness or fear or doubt or anxiety or depression. Maybe you feel lonely. You just want somebody to talk and pray with this morning. We're available to you here. I'm available to you right here. You are loved by us, yes, but more importantly, by the creator of the universe, almighty God. He looks past your faults to your need. And he wants to set you free today. Jesus, we need you. Even if we don't realize it or think about it, or it's not a struggle that we have every day. God, we need you. God, we need healing. God, we need to be set free. God, we need to do something so uncomfortable just to lay our lives down before you, give up control, let you do the fighting for us. Help us. Set us free today. Change our lives. Make us right. God, we love you. In the name of Jesus, we give thanks for making us right. And that's this week's message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you would like to join our online campus and experience the service as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing and blessed week.